Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I want to tell you about the bombing of a ship called the Rainbow Warrior, an act of state terrorism that saw the sovereignty of Aotearoa New Zealand violated by one of its supposed allies in 1985. This event brought about a huge shift in the political landscape of New Zealand with consequences that still influence how the country conducts itself on the world stage through to this very day. There are a lot of listeners out there who are keen for some more Kiwi history. I've had plenty of emails from across the Tasman requesting I get get across specifically the the Rainbow Warrior. So, kia ora and thanks to Caden Leuton, uh, Adam Boyth, Josh Frew, Jeru, Brent Roloff and uh, Andre Delamar who all wrote in. Cheers for getting in touch with you a lot. But the story of the Rainbow Warrior, it goes back a lot earlier than 1985 when it was bombed and sunk. Um, We have to go back to the 50s to begin this story. In 1955, the UK constructed a trawler called the Sir William Hardy, which worked as a fishing vessel for over 20 years before eventually being bought by an organisation called Greenpeace in 1977. You may have heard of Greenpeace. It is an international environmental organisation that dates back to the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, And today it's as as active as ever. It organises campaigning and activism on all sorts of environmental issues, climate change, habitat destruction, deforestation, overfishing, and notably for this story, it's also very involved in anti-nuclear campaigning. Anyway, in, uh, in 1977, Greenpeace bought the Sir William Hardy, uh, which they then refitted, renamed and relaunched in 1978 as the Rainbow Warrior. The ship began to work in support of various Greenpeace campaigns before eventually becoming the centre point of this major diplomatic crisis between Aotearoa and, uh, and a nation that Kiwis up until then considered one of their allies, France. And uh, this crisis between these two countries was at its core over nuclear weapons and Greenpeace's anti-nuclear activism. In 1966, France began to test nuclear weapons on atolls uh, in the the Pacific Ocean in areas of French Polynesia, which is about halfway across the Pacific uh, between Australia and South America. Most famous island in, uh, in French Polynesia is probably Tahiti. Um, And the French moved their nuclear weapons testing program to the Pacific after having tested weapons in the Sahara Desert in French Algeria. But uh, eventually they moved over over to the Pacific in in, in the 60s um, and uh, tested their very first uh, thermonuclear weapon in 1968. Now, you might be wondering, thermonuclear weapons, what's all that about? Well, for more information about nukes in general, episode 197, get across it. I do plug this episode a fair bit, but... 
It uh, it is one of the better ones for sure. It's it's a lot better than some of the stinkers from the uh, from the back catalogue. Anyway, the point is this: from 1966 until 1996, the year that it signed the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. France was testing its nukes in the Pacific. This is a key piece of background information when it comes to the story of the Rainbow Warrior. Between 1977 and 1985, as I mentioned, the Rainbow Warrior had played a key role in Greenpeace's activism, and uh, not just in its anti-nuclear activism either, other stuff like anti-whaling, anti-sealing, all sorts of other things as well. But of course, it had done its fair share of of anti-nuclear campaigning, um, helping to evacuate Pacific Islanders from from areas affected by fallout and contamination from France's nuclear tests, uh, sailing in some instances directly into nuclear exclusion zones as a form of protest against the French. And the French, as you you might imagine, they're bloody sick to death of these meddlesome hippies and their stupid ship with its ridiculous rainbow paint along the side of it. They're saying, oh, zut allow, don't these people have anything better to do than to disrupt our nuclear testing? And so uh, in an effort to curtail uh, Greenpeace's anti-nuclear protests in the Pacific, the French deployed intelligence agents, or spies, We, we can call them what they were, they were spies who were sent to New Zealand and began to take a specific interest in the Rainbow Warrior on orders to seek a way to put it out of commission. The Rainbow Warrior spent a lot of time in the South Pacific, obviously sailing up and down as part of its uh, its campaigning, and this meant that it often used Aotearoa as something of a base of operations, returning there relatively often. And during these times, it would sometimes be open to tourists as an attraction, and while open uh, open in this way, some of these French spies managed to get aboard by posing as tourists. They uh, they did some recon on the ship. They figured out uh, what it uh, what it might look like to stage an attack on the ship. And uh, further than that, one spy even managed to infiltrate the Greenpeace headquarters in New Zealand's larger city, Auckland, passing herself off as an environmental activist and getting a job there. And so, armed with the intel they'd gained from uh, this agent in HQ and from touring the ship personally, uh, this French spying then began what was known as Operation Satanic, a plan to blow up the Rainbow Warrior and put it out of commission so the French could test their nukes in peace. The French smuggled two limpet mines, explosives that can attach to the side of a ship with magnets. Uh, they smuggled them into New Zealand aboard a yacht named the Ovia, and these mines were then handed off to a team of French divers by two spies who were posing as a newlywed couple, Captain Dominique Prieur and Commander Alain Maffard. On the night of the 10th of July 1985, these divers slipped into the waters of Auckland's Marsden Wharf under the cover of darkness and swam over to the Rainbow Warrior, attaching the limpet mines to the side of the ship. And after they'd swum to safety, the first mine was then detonated by the spies at 22 minutes to midnight, ripping a hole in the side of the Rainbow Warrior. The captain of the ship, Pete Wilcox, and uh, most of the crew were asleep, but after this explosion went off, Wilcox ordered a swift evacuation, and everyone disembarked from the ship as it took on water and began to list to one side. One bloke, however, a photographer whose name was Fernando Pereira, he turned back to grab all of his equipment, and while he was doing this, the second mine was detonated. Another hole was blasted in the side of the ship and water rushed inside, causing it to sink faster and faster. And Paul Pereira was caught below decks, unable to make it back up to the surface and so tragically lost his life, drowning as the Rainbow Warrior reached the bottom of the wharf, part of the ship still sticking out above the water. 
Now, in the wake of this explosion, the police were called in and began one of the biggest criminal investigations in the history of Aotearoa. The cops quickly caught up with Prieur and Mafar, the uh, the spies who had been posing as a married couple. Uh, but the others, they all got away. The divers went off on a ski trip. They continued to pose as tourists until they left the country a week and a half later. While those who had smuggled the mines in on the Avia just got on their yacht and sailed away. They sailed to Norfolk Island and after arriving there were arrested by the Australian authorities as suspects involved in the bombing. But um, unfortunately, um, uh, we we let them go. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I'd like to apologise to all the Kiwis listening uh, for that uh, Pretty horrific error there on our part. We uh, we 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 did stuff that one up a little bit. Um, I don't I, I don't know what happened. Um, maybe maybe the Kiwis called them up on the phone and were like, "Oh, listen, mate, just uh, just make sure you arrest them, okay? If if that's all right with you." Um, and then when they arrived, we went. Uh, oh, I don't know, mate. They said something about a wrist, but when I looked at their watches, yeah, I don't know. It's probably fine, right? And let them go. Anyway, whatever happened, they left Norfolk Island. These agents, they were collected by a French submarine. Uh, they scuttled the yacht, the Avia, and then made a clean getaway. Uh, as for old mate working in uh, in the Greenpeace HQ, she fled New Zealand to Israel, uh, where she avoided arrest over there um, after the Kiwi authorities asked the Israelis to detain her. Uh, but she escaped. She got back to France okay. However, this supposed married couple, after being picked up by the cops, they were not so lucky. They were fully and thoroughly investigated, and despite their Swiss passports and documentation, it was discovered that they had links to the French DGSE, the the equivalent of ASIS, the Australian Secret Intelligence Services, or essentially the equivalent of the, the American CIA, right? And uh, once it emerged that this pair were very likely French spies, New Zealand confronted France. They demanded an explanation as to why their operatives had been involved in the sinking of a peaceful ship docked in the Auckland Harbour. Because up until now... The attack had been officially described by the Kiwi government as a terrorist attack. But the Kiwis were getting very ready to change their tune if it turned out that the French had been involved. Now, the French, when confronted with the evidence that the Kiwis had gathered, they denied everything. Very firmly indeed, they issued a statement saying, The French government does not deal with its opponents in such ways. However, as it turns out, the French government does very much deal with its opponents in such ways because within a few months, the French were forced to back down and admit to the world that they had indeed been behind this attack. Initially, the French had condemned this supposed terrorist attack, just like all of uh, Aotearoa's other allies, but as both the Kiwi authorities and journalists around the world did more digging, a very different story emerged. France acknowledged the people that had been arrested were indeed French agents, but claimed that they had just been given orders to, orders to spy on Greenpeace and certainly, certainly not to blow up their ship. But this story didn't hold up either, because ultimately French and British newspapers revealed to the world that approval for the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior went, if you'll believe it, all the way to the top. French President Francois Mitterrand himself had approved Operation Satanic, but of course, he wasn't the one to lose his job over the scandal. The French defence minister resigned while the spy chief in charge of the DGSE was fired. And 
Then, in late September, the French government finally admitted that the spies had indeed been acting on official orders and that the French had also attempted to cover up the whole affair afterwards. Needless to say, there was outrage across Aotearoa once France owned up. It was extremely embarrassing for France to to have been caught out like this, and the Kiwis, they were not about to let them off easy. They stopped calling the incident a terrorist attack and instead called it a criminal attack in breach of the international law of state responsibility committed on New Zealand sovereign territory. Aotearoa referred France to the UN over the issue and then, for good measure, sentenced Prio and Mafar, the supposed newlyweds, to 10 years imprisonment for manslaughter, thanks to the death of Paul Pereira, the photographer. But France had the gall to protest this imprisonment, threatening a European economic embargo of New Zealand. And, sadly, the Kiwis initially found some of their other allies to be disappointingly quiet on the issue. Not everyone was very forthcoming in condemning France for their violation of New Zealand's sovereignty. And it was this that prompted the shift in the country's foreign policy that I alluded to before. Because the the diplomatic fallout from the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior wasn't just limited to the enormous damage done to the, to the relationship between France and Aotearoa. Rifts also began to emerge between the Kiwis and the US and the UK because the Americans and the British weren't as strident in their criticism of France as as New Zealand was perhaps hoping for. They do seem to have forgiven us, at least. Um, Australia and Aotearoa still have a very, very close relationship today. But instead of uh, their focus on, on international partnerships across the globe, The Kiwis focused instead on regional relationships with smaller Pacific nations, something that remains a cornerstone of Kiwi foreign policy to this day and something that can be directly related back to the wider international community's response to the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior. Eventually, however, international pressure on France to accept meaningful accountability mounted, especially once the UN got involved and in 1986, France was ordered to apologise to Aotearoa and pay reparations of 13 million New Zealand dollars, which is, off the top of my head, about, uh, what is it, about 7 bucks 50 Not even enough for a bloody pie and a big M. Anyway, in exchange for this, the French spies that had been imprisoned, they were transferred to instead be imprisoned in a French military base in the Pacific, but they were quickly released and returned to France. And this was deemed to be in violation of the UN brokered agreement, so France had to cough up a few more million for Aotearoa, and also on top of this had to pay out Greenpeace, another 8 million Kiwi dollars. And in addition to this, they also paid reparations to Pereira's family back in Europe for his death. So France did pay a price, um, although the financial one was not as heavy as the diplomatic one it it paid, because, of course, this was an enormous national embarrassment for France, caught with their pants down, caught intervening directly, meddling in the affairs of another sovereign nation. And it wasn't something that reflected very well on France, certainly internationally, but definitely not when it came to relations with the Kiwis. Throughout the 1990s, France attempted to reset and normalise relations with New Zealand. But the Kiwis, honestly, even today, they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder about the whole thing. 
Aotearoa is by law a nuclear-free nation. They don't allow nuclear-powered vessels in their waters or nuclear-armed aircraft in their skies. They are probably, I would say, the most strident anti-nuclear nation on Earth. And this is another thing that has called their relationships uh, with, with nations like the US over the years. They don't allow the Americans to park their warships and subs in their harbours like, uh, like we do. But this also, this, this anti-nuclear stance also explains why Kiwis generally were completely up in arms about an anti-nuclear Greenpeace ship being sunk, quite aside from the fact that it happened as an act of illegal state terrorism at the hand of an, hands of an ally, you know. I'll tell you what, I think the Kiwis, they're right to be pissed off with France about this whole thing, because... You know, as as much as there's nothing that we Aussies love more than bullying Kiwis, it's a national pastime of ours. But but it's our job. These French, they need to stick to their own affairs, mate. Their own national pastime. Go after the English, thank you very much. Not that not that we, you know, blow up a ship in the Auckland Harbour. Our bullying of Kiwis tends to revolve around things like how ridiculous their accent is and how proud they are of their boiling mud and their um very curious affection for woolly animals. Anyway, bugger the French for this, honestly. Poor old Aotearoa, poor old Greenpeace, and poor old Fernando Pereira. I don't blame the Kiwis for, for still being dirty with France over this whole thing, and also for pulling back on global involvement in favour in favor of regional priorities. But all the same, even in the wake of the Rainbow Warrior being sunk, France continued to test nukes in the Pacific all the way through to 1996. But ultimately, with the French signing the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, French nuclear tests have stopped. They did, at the end of the day, change their tune. But the Kiwis sure didn't. To this day, with widespread support throughout the nation, nuclear energy and nuclear weapons are still completely banned in Aotearoa. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.